Hi, amigos. Brenda here, reaching you from Tamarindo Summer Break. Today, we're revisiting our chat with Danny Fernandez, an LA-based writer and actress that we adore. Danny has been making waves lately with her nuance and thoughtful posts and interviews about the WGA and SAG strikes. She and many of our Tamarindo amigos belong to both unions. We stand with Danny and all workers lifting their voices to demand a better world. Union strong, baby. Get to know Danny Fernandez on this episode from our archives. Brand new episodes of Tamarindo are coming back September 6th. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. What's up, Tamarindo Amiguis? Hey! How's it going, Ana Sheila? ¿Qué pasa contigo? Well, I've been feeling myself a little bit more lately because I got my hair cut and also colored. Awesome. And I can see it. <laughs> I have to share This is the first time that I had my hair colored, not from a caja, like not out of the box, like not my mom dyeing my hair. Like, like over I, the sink with like all the I color actually, flowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like my face like con manchas y todo. No, I actually got it colored for the first time at a salon because um, I was in Mexico. Ever? Or in a while? No, like ever. Wow. Because girl, like getting your hair dyed is so expensive. And so that's why I had never done it before. But yeah, I've been feeling myself because I feel like when you cut your hair and also the color, like it feels it feels kind of like a reset. It's como que it's like a change. It's not like moving. But I feel very fresh. I feel very light. And also with curly hair, your hair tells you when it needs to be cut. And I just wasn't feeling as cute because my hair was starting to get really heavy. So the curls weren't coming out as cute. I feel como más alive, you know, like a little younger even. It feels good. Awesome. Well, it looks great. It's, and, and I can relate to the, the feeling of the heaviness because although you, my hair doesn't look as big as yours, it is extremely heavy. So yeah. I totally get the fresh haircut reset. Yes. And another thing that I'll share about más? curly hair. Well, one thing that's annoying about getting my hair just like cut at the salon is that they always want to style it, right? Like whenever you hear you cut, they want to style it because they want it to look all cute, verdad? For me, that's the best part. But I, I guess I don't have crazy curly hair. Yeah. The thing is like, Everybody that has curly hair, like you have the way that you style your hair. Like you've learned over years of like having curly hair, changing it, being frizzy. There are certain things that you do that are going to help it like really bring out. It's like the most amazing curls that you can. The best that it could be. Like for you, right? <laughs> yeah, but they yeah. always try to style my hair and they never know how to do it. And they always make it really frizzy. And one sort of realization or reflection I've been having is like that it actually matters less what how expensive your products are like to get really nice curls. It's really figuring out what technique works best to do your curls. And what is it for you? What have you learned in the 30 plus years of curl of working with that hair? So for me, I mean, first of all, you ha when you cur have curly hair, you have to brush it in the shower. You need a bunch of conditioner to fucking, sorry. It's been very frustrating for many years of like <laughs> combing through my... All the curly the, hair the, listeners all the tangles. are like, yes, yes. <laughs> all the tangles. Relate. And then I realized you have to have, you have to do it in the shower. It has to be when it's really conditioned. But the here's the, the trick. The trick for my hair and curly haired 
women, if y'all be struggling, I have to flip it over. I was about to do it to you, but like I flip it over and like I brush it down when it's flipped over and then like with a comb and really separate the curls and then you crunch up when it's flipped oh my over. Goodness. These are so many but, like, steps. <laughs> but like if, if you, if I was just to brush it, like if it's just like, you know, if it not flipped over, it comes out really frizzy. And so when I realized that technique, when I was in high school, it was like a game changer. All of a sudden I went from like dorky, like frizzy haired girl. And all of a sudden I was like, I got a little hot. I love it. Great so story yes. of a reset. So, so yes, curly haired women and men. If you haven't tried, if you've been struggling with frizzy hair, try flipping it over, brushing it there and then crunching up from the bottom to the top. I hope y'all can visualize this. Excellent technique. Yes. yes. <laughs> what about you, Brenda? ¿Qué pasa contigo? Well, Hopefully we're turning the page on the pandemic. I feel like I've said this gazillions of times, but an example of this is going to the movies. So I actually went to the movies. I think this is the first time that I've gone with Jeff to go to a movie. And I heard a lot of buzz about this. And it was the you know the new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi, that I wanted to see because anytime there's different people that are not your typical people that are every single superhero movie I want to support, right? So this yes. is a mostly all Asian cast. And I love Aquafina, like she's super dope. So I really wanted to see this movie. And if if there's ever a movie to see in theaters and catch COVID for, you want it to be a live action <laughs> film, right? So uh, Jeff and I went to go see this movie and it was really great, really entertaining. I do have to say though, that Aquafina called me in, right? That she was definitely one of the folks that motivated me to be like, I got I got to see this. I really like her. But I did feel like their relationship, so she's like the best friend of the main character, felt a little force. So if you ever watch it, look out for that and let me know what you think. Um, but I'm talking about Marvel and I'm talking about superheroes because this is all part of like the nerd universe. Did you ever see any superhero movies? Like tell me your uh, exposure to anime, to... Any of that? Are you part of that world? Not at all. But my brother was a little bit. So I watched some anime with him. Um, I think Dragon Ball Z is anime, y'all. I'm sorry for anyone who can tell me that's not the case. Um, and recently, and, and so whenever I'm visiting them, we, we watch some nerdier things. And recently um, I watched this cartoon, which I found out is not anime, but it sort of reminds me of anime called um, Avatar The Last Airbender is one of the most beautiful cartoons that I've ever seen. Um, just amazing storytelling, world building, and it touches on a lot of themes of like war, corruption, um, mental health, um, displacement. So if y'all want to watch, it's not necessarily anime, but it's a beautiful cartoon that I really recommend. That, so. also, like, that sounds really <laughs> right up our alley. I think I'll definitely check that out. Well, something that folks might know is that I, I started teaching at the university that I went to school at 20 years ago. <laughs> it blows my mind that the students there were born in you know, 2002, 2003. But a lot of them uh, actually are big consumers, both male and female are big consumers of the nerd world, what I consider to be quote unquote, the nerd world, which is Marvel, which is comic books, which is anime, which is uh, Star Wars and that whole space. Those card games también, no? Like, have you ever seen those places? There's literally like stores where people come in to play like, like fantasy card games. All that world, right? The whole fantasy world. It energizes me to see how this, that space is a lot more welcoming now than perhaps it was when you and I were growing up. And that, that might've been a factor to why you and I are not big consumers of this is that maybe it wasn't very welcoming to 
little brown girls, you know. But um, I'm very excited that today we are going to talk to Danny Fernandez, who is super well versed in the new nerd universe. She's going to give us a little bit of an overview of what that means exactly. But I'm, you're all going to hear it. I'm not going to um, tease out too much of this fantastic conversation, but she's going to talk a little bit about what it's been like to be breaking barriers in this space and making this space more inclusive. We're going to talk about mental health and we're going to talk a little bit more about her fantastic tweets, which are just a delight. <laughs> so let's take it away with our conversation with Danny. So grateful that you're here, Danny. Welcome to Tamarindo. Thank you. I'm excited. We finally made it happen. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's so awesome. It's like meeting your your Twitter friend IRL as mm -hmm. virtual as it could be, right? As IRL as it could be, which is through this podcast. And uh, we're so grateful that you're here. And for folks that um, you know want to know a little bit more about Danny, you know, we 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 will tell you right now. So she's a writer, comedian, actress, and a frequent host of great conversations in the nerd universe, uh, which we'll go into in a second. And she's had basically the opportunity to live the dream that we've all had, which is to become a Disney character. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so freaking rad that you got to actually do that. But even better is that you got to play yourself <laughs> in yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is so rad. Um, but the way that, that Danny entered our universe on Tamarindo is really through your fantastic tweets, which I think are both vulnerable and inspirational. And just as often, they're unapologetically hot. Like big time <laughs> capital letters hot also and really hot bold. takes <laughs> also hot in the takes <laughs> yes definitely hot in in all sense of the word and so we're just you know I really kind of like every time I, I run across your tweets and we we sh often share your tweets and they get a lot of uh, connections to it I feel like you're like a positivity madrina you know like <laughs> I, I picture like a, a a super hot Tinkerbell. Just dusting Love us with it. some positivity dashes when we absolutely needed the most. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's really when I need it the most. I don't know if you, you know, I've tweeted that a couple of times, but I, I feel like I, I tweet what I need to hear. And I don't know if my followers have caught on to that yet. Whenever I'm like, hang in there, you are so close. You're, you're almost there. It's like, no, that was for me. I'm glad it resonated with everyone. But most of the stuff I write, I feel like is a reminder that I need to vocalize, that I need to like get out there. That's that's really great. So so when you're saying, I don't know who needs to hear this, it's me, it's me. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, yeah. Well, it's it's really wonderful, and, and it really does encourage folks when they need a little extra dash of that. But before we get into more more of that, I, I'd love for listeners to know a little bit about your journey. I mean, it seems to me like you, my impression of you is someone that's like living her dream. So tell me how, how it is that you got into the the many hats that you wear. Yeah, so I I moved here to write in television and I kind of did it very naively and that I thought I could just up and come here. I mean, I'm like those stereotypical movies about coming to Hollywood. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to go. Well, actually, I had a lot of I had a lot of comedians uh, that encouraged me. They were like, you're a really funny writer. You should have you tried this on stage. Have you pursued, you know, comedy? And I was like, no, no, I can't do that. But it's soon got to be a thing where I just couldn't 
say no to it anymore. And so I moved here. I only had like a couple thousand dollars that lasts much longer in other places than it does here. That's like nothing here. Um, but where, where I was like, I, I mean, it went immediately and, um, we're talking like, I, I think I came out here with like two grand and I, I think I spent one grand on, I immediately had to get my tonsils taken out because it got infected the first week I was here. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if my insurance covered it. So I was stuck to like a grand, which is like rent here. So um, it was really scary. And I ended up getting a job at the Ice House Comedy Club. I uh, I saw on Craigslist an ad. This was like 2013, 2014. I saw an ad for uh, to work the door at the Ice House. And so I drove to Pasadena. It's a, it's a famous um, club. The Comedy Store is the most you know, famous club I feel here in LA, but the Ice House is also a really great club that like Mark Marin, I constantly saw out of um, Kevin Hart, um, a lot of different, a lot of different comedians would perform out of there or do their, record their albums out of there. So anyways, I drove to Pasadena and gave them my, <laughs> my resume along with 10 reasons why they should hire me. And they did. And so I worked the door like every single night till 1 a.m. Um, that they had shows there for like a year. And I was also a nanny and I was also doing catering. I was like working like three different jobs. And I had no idea how people survived out here. Like I had, and how people had free time to do anything other than work. Like I think my biggest fear, yeah, I think my biggest fear was how am I going to write? I have no, I'm working 24 seven. I have no energy or time. I didn't know where to start. And so I started doing stand up and I started doing sketch and improv. And I, I became friends with a lot of people in the comedy community, which was great because they look out for each other. They're also struggling. They're also in the trenches. They're also very poor. So we were all just like really struggling together. And, um, and so I started performing and, and, and I slowly started from, from my performance background, getting hosting jobs where I would be like a guest on like Nerdist, which is a a nerdy that goes into my nerdy stuff, like a a nerdy um, online channel. Uh, I would be a guest on IGN. And and suddenly they were like, oh, do you want to guest host this? Do you want to, you know, and I fell into hosting. And so that kind of launched me more into the public eye, I would say, where I was able to kind of use that momentum to um, act and write but I would say like the first year I was, I was what I call like scarily poor, like where it's, it's like, you don't even have enough to like eat or you, you don't know how you're going to, you know, if you go, I remember I was leaving, uh, speaking of what, before I got on here, I got the third, uh, my third COVID vaccine because I'm immunocompromised. So I'm eligible to get the third one. And I remember I was leaving UCLA and, um, I was leaving the parking garage and my card got declined and I couldn't get out of the parking garage. LA nightmare. Yeah. But it was just like, and I remember they gave (laughs) to do like an IOU, like they wrote a little thing, but I mean, that's how, that's how bad it was where it was like, I, I didn't even have money. I had to go to, you know, take care of my autoimmune stuff. And I didn't even have money to get out of the parking garage. And 
I don't know. Like, I, I bet a lot of people can resonate with that right now, like during the pandemic of just this feeling of hopelessness. And you just have to like surround yourself with a strong community. And I, I, I do think it helps to have, I think everyone always wants really like to punch up and have really successful friends, especially here in LA, everyone like Jordan Peele and like whatever. And it's like, yeah, but you need the, you need these people who are going to lift you, who know what you're, he obviously knows what we're going through, but I mean, now he's on a different level, but I'm saying like, you, you need that, you need a, a strong community. And so I, I was really lucky to have that. And those people that held me in when, when it felt like I, I wasn't going to make it. That's great. And I think you, you, you're sort of like paying it forward because I think you do that. You, one of the themes that I see in your theme, in your tweets are about like, hey, let's lift each other up and then support each other as friends and, and strengthen that community. And again, like I've mentioned, you're just, it's just such a wonderful tone <laughs> and blessing to have you in the twi Twitter feed. But um, I want to go into the, the nerd world, you know, the, the nerd universe, because you really sort of carved this amazing path for yourself. It is this, um, you're an amazing host, and, and a lot of it is in these nerd channels. Mm -hmm. So for those of us that, that maybe have, haven't felt welcome in that space before, yeah. or didn't see ourselves in that space, give us like an overview, like nerd world 101. Like, what is that like? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it is it is really hard to still be a part of that and see ourselves. I feel like whenever my friend Christina Ariel, amazing host, gorgeous, like she's one of my best friends. She was announced as a host for Star Wars for StarWars.com. And that's really huge. She is one of the main hosts for Star Wars to talk about, like, you know, breaking news and interviewing these stars immediately when she was announced, dealt with death threats, you know, hate crimes, like people, it, it's, it's very, it's, I feel like it's even worse for women of color because women, you add women who are kept out of the nerd world, you add people of color and then women of color are the least represented in that sphere. I want to say also the least paid. I always point out that we are the least paid in every, in every industry and demographic. And so that is so frustrating. Like this is something that she grew up with. For me, I grew up with anime. I have a uh, Goku and Vegeta little tattoos on me. And like that, that was so special to me when I was growing up. And, um, you know, to have parts of the community kind of turn on you when you get announced as a host, you know, for these things is really frustrating. I think they, I think they can't fathom that you I think this is what it is. I think a lot of them were bullied for liking these properties, for being into comic books and anime. And they don't think that you were also bullied. Like they can't fathom that you were also a part of that, which I heavily was. I, I was bullied so much when I was little. And so they just see you as this, not saying that you should have to be either, but I think they just see you as like not worthy as an outsider that's just doing it for popularity or they're trying to check off a box for diversity. And it was like, no, I actually know a stupid amount <laughs> about this stuff that nobody should know this much. You know, and I'm sure Christina feels the same way. And and for us, honestly, I think that sci-fi and fantasy was an escape. I think for a lot of us, especially if you're growing up in heavily white spaces, like diving into these these books and comics, but comic books and sci-fi and whatever was your escape from from the neighborhoods or like from the schools. I remember school, I just 
there was one school I went to in Orange County when we were living there for a short amount of time. And I came home crying every day to my family. I was just so, the kids were just so mean and so awful. And so I think that you resort to these little online communities that I did and you resort to, you know, diving into anime and writing fan fiction. And, and that's what I ended up doing. And I couldn't cut it out of my life if I wanted to. Like I remember in high school and college, it was weird when, during the time that I was there to, to be into that stuff. It's like, you're an adult that's in the cartoons. It's really weird. Now that's really in and people make a lot of money off of it. But about a decade ago, that wasn't really the case. So I would say, again, it goes back to finding people like Christina, Hector Navarro is another great uh, host. He's at Nerdist. He's one of my really close friends. And he's the type of nerd who, when he finds out that you might not have seen something, instead of making fun of you or making you feel bad, like, oh, wow, you haven't even watched this. Wow. He gets really excited that he can introduce it to you. Like, oh, my gosh, you haven't seen this yet. Oh, you're going to love it. Let me give you the DVD box set. Like, he's a good type of nerd, you know, where it's like, I'm so passionate about this thing that I just want to introduce you to it. So you will be passionate about it um, instead of being an incel. So, <laughs> yeah, which is the other com complete extreme. But yeah. I, yeah, I love that. I love this idea of just pulling pulling people in. And I'm one of these people that di didn't necessarily grow up with it. Maybe as I'm thinking back, I did grow up with an older brother and you know, who was definitely into comic books and things like, like this. But something that I've shared on the podcast before, when I was 11, my, my brother passed away. So I was largely an only child. Um, and now getting, I feel like I like, it might make me um, like super basic. But, but what drew me into this world now is baby Yoda because he's so goddamn cute. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. But I'm grateful that now little girls um, that are bringing, getting into this, they're seeing like what I'm seeing Disney do very intentionally is like they'll have like leadership tables, whether it's the good guys or the bad guys. But now you're seeing half of them are women. You know, like, mm -hmm. I'm taking notice of this. And I think uh, you were spot on about um the, your pulse on what some of that resentment is. But I also think part of it is it's just so disruptive to their mind to see uh, women or people of color or something different. And and at the end of the day, this is fantasy, right? We I know yeah. reality, reality doesn't have us in power, but fantasy world should allow us to have that freedom. So I just think you're doing such such wonderful work. And I'm grateful for people like you. And I'm grateful for uh, the moment we are in time where these spaces are not feeling as exclusive as they are. And uh, what, what would you say are some of the things that like could continue to improve in like the nerd universe? Mm, I still think women of color in leadership positions. I think women of color as executives is, is really important. Um, people of color in general as executives because they're helping influence these stories they're getting i also think i just had a conversation with a director i just got off the phone with about how more of us need to be allowed to if we're looking at um superhero franchises or whatever more of us need to be allowed to break into these spaces and by that i mean there are you know the top five you know people that they might always go to and it's like okay but we need you know, um, there needs to be more of us allowed that that way there's there's just more representation overall instead of picking the same five people, you know, and I, I think that's because 
it's difficult for them to take risks. I think they see new talent as risks or not even, I don't even say young, just like people that they're not as established or, or new to. Um, having directors, you know, it's really great because there are some black and brown directors coming up that are getting to direct these big superhero franchises, but that's how it doesn't feel, that's how the character feels authentic because as a writer, I can say some of these characters are written as white and then they just cast someone that's black or brown and it just doesn't feel right. You know, they're making decisions, they're talking in a way that I feel like is not representative. Uh, it just, there's a disconnect, you know, and so it's allowing us to write our own stories, directing our own stories. Um, also just removing there's a big a big conversation around trauma right now and i sold a show about trauma and i it's one of the things if you follow me i talk about the most I talk well aside from positive stuff i talk about trauma a lot because i've had a lot of trauma and i am at a point now where i find the healing of it fascinating and what 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 works and what doesn't work for different people and i don't think the nice thing that I like about sci-fi spaces is that it doesn't necessarily have to be rooted in trauma, that we can just exist and be fighting, you know, this overlord villain who is like a tentacle, whatever. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about POC trauma. And I think that that's one of the people I bring up is Guillermo from uh, what we do in the shadows. So his, I don't want to give anything away, but he, um, he is living amongst vampires and and fighting vampires and like that's his story you know harvey is queer um and who plays him and it doesn't have to do with a hate crime happening to him because he's gay it doesn't have you know and i th i'm not saying that those stories are not relevant it's i think if you feel that you need to tell that story definitely do because people uh have not gotten to but that shouldn't be the only stories that we're allowed to tell, if that makes sense. It is weird to me when white people gravitate toward more towards our trauma stories than our joy, joy. And I think a lot of people on Twitter, if we're talking about Twitter, have realized that. I see a lot of black and brown authors that are like, why do you guys only share when something bad happens to me? Why don't you share when I'm announcing my good news? You know, and it's just like they're up in arms, you know, about something about trauma, which I understand, but it should be equally you know, they're as excited about our joy. So, yeah. so that's something I see in sci-fi that we can remove ourselves from earth. We can remove our, ourselves from things that happened here. Um, I just want our youth to be able to play in that. It's not forgetting things that have happened. It's not that. It's just like, if white people get to do a show about dragons and eggs and I don't know, dinosaurs and all this other stuff, like we should be able to do that too, without having to necessarily talk about like hate crimes happening to us. So I just want us to have the freedom. If you want to, you can, if you don't want to, you shouldn't have to, you should be able to do what you want. I'm just saying we should have the same freedoms. 100%. And, and, and the, sci-fi world the nerd world kind of provides a perfect space to do that where you can kind of leave the baggage behind because it's a whole made-up universe anyways so that's a, that's an excellent point and i and uh thanks for mentioning guillermo because he is totally such a beloved <laughs> character yeah, when, whenever he's so great and uh I, whenever we mention things about representation folks are always like we love guillermo so, <laughs> so that character nails it
you mentioned a little bit about, about trauma and, and your healing, and I want to actually let our listeners hear, I'll read it out, a fantastic tweet that kind of touches upon what I mentioned earlier. And this is what you wrote. So it says, it may seem like a small contribution, but part of helping your community is healing yourself. Make no mistake, the pain you place on others has a ripple effect, but so does the healing you bring to the table. And we just love that. I mean, I think um, one of the things we'd like to do on this platform is to, to talk about healing and to talk about being the best versions of ourselves, because that's how we can be the best advocates for our community. And again, as I mentioned, you, you do this so wonderfully. But can you tell me, like, you know, how, like what moves you to gift us? And you've mentioned it a little bit before already, but when, you know, what inspires you to gift us these little nuggets of encouragement? And, and are you aware of how much it means to us? Ah, well, no, that, that thank you so much for telling me. Sometimes I feel like I'm tweeting into an ether you know, like just tweeting out there and not always knowing. And as for anyone that follows me, you can sometimes scroll and see the negative comments I get. And I, I think that sometimes is because people think that it's easy. Like anytime I talk about being hopeful or healing yourself, I think people are like, wow, that's really easy for you to say. And it's like, it's, it's not, you know, I've been pretty open that I'm a, a suicide survivor and I've, I've dealt with so much trauma that my, my first attempt was when I was in middle school. And that's really, that that's that's really hard you know and i had i had another attempt in my 20s so i i've survived quite a bit and still surviving and and still working and still trying to heal myself and and be really vulnerable just because i love connecting with other people who know what that feels like it's hard when you're trying to talk to someone who hasn't experienced that you know but but on twitter i'm i have a global platform and there's so many people who make me feel less alone you know, that have also dealt with the things that I've dealt with. And so I think for me, when I was talking about the healing thing, I just, it really, I was aware about how one single person in my family had harmed so many people, had harmed his kids and, and women he had dated and his coworkers and his like multiple wives he's had. And I'm just thinking like so many people have gone to therapy because of this one singular person. And I think in my mind, I don't want to transfer that pain. I have to take accountability for the pain that I have caused people, even if it's because I have been hurt. You know, it's like hurt people hurt people. And so I have to be accountable for the ways in which I've used my trauma as an excuse to, I talk about this often, that trauma is not a trump card that you can just lay down and make an excuse for your actions or the way that you treat people. And I used to do that when I was younger in my relationships. I remember I would get in a fight with my boyfriend at the time and it would be like, yeah, well, I have an autoimmune disorder and you don't. So like your life is not very hard, you know? And that's like, so it's not okay to do that. It's not okay to like, if you love the person, you know, it's not, and, and that's a small example. People use it on a bigger scale when they're abusive or toxic. You know, you might have toxic friends who are like, well, I'm sorry, you know, I'm dealing with depression. So I'm sorry that I said that or I blew up at you or whatever. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> one, a lot of us are depressed. A lot of us are suffering. A lot of us have a multitude of trauma, whether it's assault or, you know, uh, abuse from parents or, or an, an ex or whatever, like a dr drug substance abuse, like, what I've learned is everyone is suffering in some way. And I cannot use that the way that this man did as an excuse to, to continue to harm. I, I have to do the work to heal myself. And in doing that, I can help everyone that comes in contact with me. Because especially here in Hollywood, we hear about the people that are 
I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on here. I'll say POS. Oh, yes, we totally can. <laughs> okay, well, we, everyone, in, we always hear the stories about people that are pieces of shit. And guess what? That's horrible. The way that they treat their crew, the way they treat their colleagues. And at the end of the day, those people probably go home. And if you worked with them long enough, you might have to talk about your boss in therapy, about what a piece of shit your boss is. And guess what? I don't have to do that. I don't have to be that person. I can heal myself so that when I'm on set or when I'm in a writer's room, I'm not taking it out on people so that when they go home they take it out on their kids or when they go home they feel awful and and you know get to a point where they're having low self-esteem or might resort to drug abuse or whatever like there's a ripple effect that people do not see and so i want to say we see the negative ripple effect very very clearly when there's an abusive person a toxic person like a, a, a large example would be weinstein and everyone that got hurt under weinstein and all of the women that lost years of their lives or and their career under this man but we don't always talk about the positive ripple effect so for you to undo you know to to make yourself so you're not a toxic person and healing yourself so you're not so you're breaking the cycle of abuse and i think a lot of times what I've seen sometimes in my family is like, well, this person abused me. So it's okay if I abuse my kids because I was hit. So you should be hit and blah, like, you know, or, you know, they, they um, fat shame me. So I get to fat shame you. And like, it's just like, no, it's just continuing this, this cycle that I'm very determined to break that I actually have to break for my life. You know, when, when I think about the times that I was suicidal, it's like, I actually, I'm fighting for my life, you know? So I, I need to, to break it. And so that's why I tweeted that was just kind of like, it might seem small, like, oh, I'm only helping myself by going to therapy, but you're not, you're helping like everyone that has to come in contact with your ass all day, <laughs> yeah. you know, by, by not being horrible. Yeah. And, 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 and I think you touched on so many things that, um, resonates with so many of our listeners and just this this notion of ending cycles and the yeah. work that we have to do um so for our own personal life and healing but what what the ripple effects are down the road for everyone around us and and it's important work and and thank you for for doing that work and for sharing with us what that looks like and inspiring hopefully listeners to to also join in on ending those cycles um, what I'd love to do now is um, wrap up our, our chat with our rapid fire questions that we do <laughs> with our guests. It's usually a lot of fun. Okay. So um, the first question that we do is basically, we'll, we'll start with the fun, the most fun one, which is what goes in la basura? Like what is something that you're throwing away, you're, you're done with, person, place, thing, concept? What goes in la basura for you, Danny? Fear, definitely. Yeah, I just need, I mean, I'm done. I feel like I have so much anxiety and I'm just like, yeah, I want to say my exes, but I feel like that's toxic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and, and now, uh, conversely, what gets your, what we call our matraca, which I will play, like what gets your shout out? What's something you're celebrating? Oh my gosh. Um, can I do like a show? Yes. Or... Okay, yes. I'm super into reservation dogs. I think everyone should check it out. I, I love, you know, I, I think native representation is so important. And so um, if I can like shout out something I want to do uh, that, please everyone watch it. Because it's so, I mean, all of us, we just need to be all hands on deck right now. We just need to be supporting all of our shows and all of each other. So, yeah. Everybody watch Reservation Dogs. <laughs> 
And then uh, lastly, how do you stay grounded and balanced with everything that's around us and, and going on? How do you get your calma? I mean, this is going to sound corny or very cliche, but meditating and not only that, but one going out in nature, like I went, I, I probably looked crazy. I went to the beach and I just stood in the water and I just stood in there and like, lo- just like looked at, I, that's where I was releasing. I was like releasing all of, all of my fear, all of my anxieties, all of my doubts. And I honestly, I mean, I don't know if everyone else does this, but calling on the strength of your ancestors, like just, just sitting there in silence. I, I was doing this thing where I, like I was saying, I, I deal with anxiety pretty badly. And I was like, I need to do healing, even healing. You need to take a break from sometimes I do so much healing work. And and, um, oh, this was rapid fire. I'm sorry. I'm no, talking so take, much. No, no, please, okay. Please, okay. Please. So I, so I was laying there and I just felt a hand, like I was laying there like, oh my God, I got to get up and I have to, I need to journal and I need to, you know, and it was like, no, just be like, it was like, just you, all you have to do is just sit here and be with us. And I was like, wow, I can just sit here and be, you know, and, and that's so as someone that has anxiety, like it just felt so like calming, like we're never alone. We always have the strength of our family or those who came before us. We always have their strength with us. And when you're feeling really doubtful, calling on them and just like sitting with them, you know, and seeing what they have to say has been so instrumental for me. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And, and Yes, it's uh, it, it, like we should be calm from our from our healing work, right? It shouldn't end up sound feeling like more anxiety, like, oh, no, I haven't done the five healing things that I'm supposed sometimes to do. Sometimes you need a break. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I'm like, actually, I've, I've done so journal and, th- and meditate and therapy. I'm taking a month break from therapy, which I've never really done because I'm a little therapized out. And like ther- talk therapy is not the only kind of therapy. I've done so many other types of therapy and trauma treatment and, and sometimes... For me, that's even like just getting getting off Twitter, getting, getting, you know, going to the botanical gardens and meditating or being in the ocean or, you know, doing, you know, um, and I've done a lot of other trauma treatments, like actual trauma treatments. But like sometimes it's just like, actually, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, it's all about tuning into our body and our mind. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Again, this is such a gift to us. And I just uh, I really appreciate your time. Um I know that you've got things to do, probably to lay down after that third shot. (laughs) But I I just want to say thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. What a delight to have Danny Fernandez. Everybody, go follow her at Miss Danny Fernandez, and that's D A N I Fernandez. Follow her right away. So let's wrap up this conversation, this podcast, this episode with a quick round of our basuras y matracas, and maybe we, if we feel like it, maybe a calma. So, uh, Ana Sheila, do you have a matraca for us? Yes, you're co-signing this. We would like to give a matraca 
to Larry Elder, and we're giving him a traca for being a basura. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, let's break it down for the folks. Why? So if y'all are not familiar, he is the leading opponent in the current recall election for governor here in California. Which we, today we're recording it on that day, everybody. So Yes, <laughs> and he has just said everything, all trash statements under the sun, racist, misogynist, anti-science. He's also already alleging fraud, even though like the election's not over, folks. By the time you're listening to this, it is, but that gives you a glimpse of the the mentality behind it. Yes. So he's just so, so much trash that I feel like he's helped galvanize more Democratic and um, left of center uh, voters. That's why we give them a matraca. So, yes, so matraca <laughs> to the basura that is Larry Elder. Excellent, excellent job, excellent job. How about you, Brenda? What you got for us? I got a couple of basuras. All right, let's hear it. Let's stick with the theme here of, of basuras uh, related to Larry Elder. So I got one here. So this is a, a voter... This is what this person says. Um, Actually, this is what the uh, author of an article featuring this particular voter says. COVID-19 knocked her out for three weeks. She sung at the funeral of friends who died of the virus, but she doesn't like mask mandates. This is what motivated Melissa Garcia of Santa Ana in Orange County to vote yes on the recall. And I just think this person has uh, some nerve to put her mug, her face on the Twitter universe and just boldly say, I don't want mandates. I mean, it worries me so much. Hopefully we're here talking as if uh, we've already won this election because we're manifesting. Yes, we are. Melissa Garcia goes in la basura. (laughs) Uh, But I have another basura and then we'll get back to um, maybe some matracas. But another basura here. My other basura goes to four legged tables. Now, why am I putting four-legged tables in La Masura? Look, we have these mini computers on our phone. We can record this podcast. Right now we're in person, but we can record record this podcast remotely when you're in a different country. We have all this fantastic technology, but we can't get a goddamn table to fucking stay still. Have you ever gone to a restaurant where the table is not wobbling when it has four legs? Terrible. Um, (laughs) Basura goes to four-legged tables because they don't, they always off balance. Like what, what is wrong with this universe that uh, it's just, uh, we can't figure that part out. Wait, so what do you normally do in that situation? Do you ask people not to touch it or do you normally like go try to find no, something to put on the table? Usually the like, waiter will go down there and put some napkins together or I'll go down there and put some napkins. I'm just saying we shouldn't have this conversation. Let's figure out the technology, folks, so that nobody has to be in this situation with the wobbly tables. Like, what is going on with this world? Ah, but uh, to, to counter that, do you, do you have any other? Do you, actually, I haven't asked you. Do you have a basura? Well, I feel like my matraca was like a, a matraca and a basura at the same, at the How same time. Perfect. How about calma? What is keeping your calma? You know what? Well, so I've been back in, in the States and I've been waking up super early and it's been so amazing because it's been hard for me to wake up early in, in Mexico, but I've been waking up early and I've been like getting up and like going on walks and exercising every day. Me, oh, me and my brother played tennis um, like every day while I was visiting them in Arizona. And, and that brought me a lot of um, groundedness and like. I felt like it helped me connect with him again. And I was also like, we were, I was like playing good. So that felt good. So yeah, it was just really beautiful to wake up early and, you know, move my body and, and also spend time with family. 
It's beautiful. I hope you keep it up in, in Mexico because I get a lot of calma as well to getting up early. Yeah, I know. I, I thought about you every time I was waking up like at six or sometimes, yeah, earlier. Yes. Well, that <laughs> is fantastic. All right, everyone. That is our episode for today. I will use this opportunity to remind you about our upcoming podcasting workshop on the 29th. This is great for anybody that wants to leverage podcasting to talk about their business, their cause, nonprofits to check this out. Anybody that's been curious about starting their own podcast, we will tell you what we've learned in over 100 plus episodes. So make sure you sign up for that. Go to our website and our event page so that you can sign up for that and, and share it with other people. Also, as you know, our love language is podcast reviews. Please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. What else should we tell our listeners while we still have them? What else? I don't know. We love them. Donate to us. Give us your cash money. (laughs) Show us the love, porfis. Yes. Show us the love. Share this episode. And thank you, everyone. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino, with production support from Josie Melendez and Augusto Martinez Delgado of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you like our show, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast or share an episode with a friend. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our start up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.